The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I'd like to talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com, drafting your app store. Great way to play daily fantasy sports. They started out as snake-style drafts just the way you like them. They're great. Because you don't have to worry about ownership. You're the only person that owns them. It's that simple. They start out as low as three men and five men, seven men, ten men, so on and so forth. They have baseball, basketball, football, uh, golf. So much great stuff. The U.S. Open coming up this weekend. Get some golf draft in your life. And also best balls. They've mastered them. They've done baseball, basketball, and football. This will be year two of football. And they're rolling out the big ones. $25 entry up to a million dollar winner over at draft.com. Draft in your app store. And if you're new to draft, use promo code SD Sports, SD is in dog sports, for a free $3 entry into a tournament of your choice. So go check out draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports for a free $3 entry into a tournament of your choice. Also, thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, we really, really appreciate it. If you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate that. It takes a couple minutes out of your day and would help me out a ton. Until then, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 178 with Matt Williams talking week 11, TGFBI fab, and much, much more. everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 178 got a special guest to recap the past week's fantasy baseball fab bidding and tgfbi talk about some recent news as like usual we have more injuries to discuss and some weekend performances in order to do so you can find him on twitter at matt wi77 iams matt williams how you doing man Hey, pretty good. Yeah, I got to have the sevens in my uh, Twitter handle because I don't exactly have a unique name. So it's the best I could do without going with like Matt Williams, like one, 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 seven, five or something. No, I liked it. I, when I went to write it down, I'm like, that's good. I like that. Because like, yeah, otherwise you'd be the 45th Matt Williams or something. So yeah, uh, yeah. I feel you. Yeah, there. No, and I, I, I always get the, oh, used to be a terrible manager. Uh, yeah, I also use, you know, and then I'll tell him about his San Francisco Giants days. Oh, yeah, you're a Giants fan. You know what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. Oh, I know. You know, if it wasn't a strike short near, he might have been the home run champion. Yeah. What did he have? Like 42 home runs at the break? It was something crazy. It was <laughs> yeah. some like astronomically dumb. And somehow, and you know, you never know in that era, he was never linked to any steroids at all. He was always a pretty small dude. He's bulky, but small. So phenomenal fielder. Yeah. He's really good at third base. He had that just kind of weird, gritty attitude about him. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I miss those days with Matty Williams and Candlestick Park and good times there with uh, yeah. the Gigantes. But uh, yeah, he, he might not have been the best manager, but now he's he's been a base coach for teams for about you know half a dozen years at least, if not longer. Seems to be doing well there. Maybe he'll find a managerial spot one of these days. Like you know, we were talking about right before the show how bad some of the managers are around baseball. So there's got to be an opening somewhere sooner than later. And the Nationals seems to be a cursed job. So at this point, um, who knows if it was even his fault? 
<laughs> yeah, can you even grade it? Like, you got to grade it on a curve almost by now or something. Yeah. It, it can't all be his fault. Some, somehow, Dusty Baker's looking good right now. Let's just put yeah, that it's like an ERA in the American League. You just got to add a, a few losses if you're a Nationals manager. Yeah, there you go. Hey, before we get started on everything, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? You have a ton of different things going on between baseball, football, your clip cast, all kinds of things. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, most of my work is at FF Statistics. That's, you know, for fantasy football, baseball. I write for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, I do the Turn 2 podcast just at Turn 2 with uh, Sam Lane. Um, you know, he's the Scott Fish champion, and he's a huge Cardinals fan. And um, Yeah, I'm also the CFO of Clipcast. If you guys haven't heard of that, it's uh, it's basically like the, um, let's say, like the Google of podcasts. So if you just go to clipcast.app, um you just type in anything you want to hear uh, in a fantasy sports podcast. So you want to see, you know, Jordan Alvarez, you want to hear about any injury, you just type it right into the search bar and it'll bring up all of the uh, most recent podcasts and um, of anything relevant of that player. And it'll just give you a short clip and you can even uh, make a playlist so you can like do it on the go. And we actually have a full app coming to the app store in a couple of weeks. So, That'll be pretty awesome. I know you're, this podcast is on there, too, so you can search and uh, find this on there as well. Yep, this one, Around the Base with Bub and Mo are both on there. When football comes around, we'll get that one over there. But uh, it's a great tool. It's a really cool tool Like that you, you mentioned that if you want to just get info on one specific thing and uh, you, you just type it in and you figure it out and it'll send you all the different options. And if you like the show, you keep listening. So it's a pretty cool deal that you guys are putting together. In a, and that app will be super, super cool. Just to be able to do it on the run like that will be really, really yeah, nice. Yeah, we're very excited about it. It's very cool. You mentioned Jordan Alvarez. Let's start with Jordan Alvarez here in recent news. He finally gets the call, but uh, for those that play in NFBC formats, TGFBI formats, not available yet because he's got to play a full game before Sunday. But in his first game, he hits a just absolute bomb to basically center left center field a shot in Houston. And you've been doing it all, all year long in the minor leagues. Uh, it's been iffy with prospects this year. Do they stick? Do they not stick? What's your opinion on Alvarez? Because, you know, everyone's – could be right or wrong on this situation. Well, a couple of things. One, I'm shocked it took him this long to call him up because of how how the script has been flipped with Aloy Jimenez being signed early with Alonzo starting with the Mets completely without a deal, like just everyone getting brought up so quickly. The Astros obviously had a legitimate need for this guy uh, with all their injuries. Uh, so I'm just stunned it took him this long, but I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, obviously he didn't start out the year um, – being held as highly regarded as he was. He wasn't even obviously the number one outfielder. That was Kyle Tucker. Um, but yeah, he's just been smoking the ball. I think at the end of, was at the end of April, he was hitting like 354 with 12 home runs and like a 1300 OPS. I mean, this guy is, uh, he just smashes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm psyched. I, uh, I'm not sure. Like you said, um, I'm not sure if he's going to stick because I've been stunned by like when Nathaniel Lowe got sent down and, and obviously when, when Keston uh, got set down by, uh, by Milwaukee. So um, in, in redraft, you know, obviously I don't know. I, I don't know. You have to be kind of patient. I am going to be picking him I, anywhere I can. I've, I've owned him for a while and I'm going to be holding on to him because I think he's going to be legit and keep it going the entire year. Um, people always ask me, is he going to be like Juan Soto? Like no one's like Juan Soto. Like you just kind of have to throw stuff like that out the window, but this guy is really good. And um, I would expect him to definitely be uh, worth owning and even like in 12 team mix the rest of the season. Yeah, he should on paper. Everything points to him being with the club for the rest of the year. Like the fact they have him starting day one is a good sign for me that that shows that they really, they brought him up to play him. We see too many prospects. They don't come up and they play all the time and it's, it's frustrating. But, you know, eventually George Springer will come back. He's kind of, you know, not progressing as fast as they hoped for. But you have Josh Reddick. You have Derek yeah. Fisher who's actually playing well since the call-up. Uh, you have Michael Brantley. So many pieces in that outfield are playing well. So it'll be interesting to see how they put it together. I think they'll have to find someone. They'll need to find a way to trade like Tyler White. I think that'd be huge. When you open up the DH spot, slide him on yeah. in, let it rock and roll. I think that's the key piece there because Tyler White's out of options. So I yeah. think they're going to try to get something for him and then they'll be able to rock and roll. Yeah, the best advice I give anyone who's an Alvarez owner, if you're not sure, if you're nervous about him getting sent down when Altuve and Springer are finally back and they're running out of spots, is you know, throw him on the block 
Um, mm-hmm. But only trade him if you're getting a player you feel good about, like rest of the season, what you're expecting out of Alvarez. Like if someone else is really loving the hype, I'd go ahead and move him. But if you're not getting someone you're very happy with, uh, I would definitely – he's worth the risk of just holding on to. Well, let's have some fun with that then. Just for like, If someone's going to trade him, do you need like a Charlie Blackman type or is that too much? Oh no! Um, for hold on, are you talking? Are you talking for, dynasty or redraft? Redraft. No, I think. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I t- obviously I take yeah. that, but I, yeah, I would. I would say you have to set your bar a little lower. Um, like uh, Eddie, Eddie Rosario. I think Eddie Rosario. Okay. I think I would. I. I mean, with the way rookies have been and the way rookies, you know, rookies are rookies. So you know, he can get off to a hot start. I mean, look at Kyle Tucker. You know, I mean, everyone thought way higher of him than Alvarez when he came up and he just was, you know, that happens to rookies. Look at the way Vladimir Guerrero started. He obviously picked it up, but my God, he looked like he needed to go back to the minors at first, yep. like rookies struggle. So yeah, if I could, I mean, I would say that's the lowest quality player I would take for him is like an any Rosario. But I think if someone offered me that straight up in redraft, I, I think I'd take it. Straight up in a redraft. Would you trade him for Eloy Jimenez? No. Okay. That's what I was just want to see. Cause Eloy is a very, volatile person in our little realm of fantasy baseball. So you either love him or you're just really skeptical of him. So I think that's fair because he's been struggling. He's, he's picked it up last week or so, but there's a lot of holes in that game right now that are getting picked apart. He's going to adjust and get It's not together. to say I, I wouldn't be interested in trade and buying low, but I think you can buy him a lot lower than having to give up Jordan. Good call. All right, let's go to the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright left his start uh, Sunday night with a hamstring tightness. He's going to go on the IL most likely. Um, just another hit to this Cardinals rotation. You know, Wainwright hasn't pitched great to begin with, but there's more and more holes opening up. Eventually, Alex Reyes is going to come back. You know, they tried Genesis Cabrera. That didn't work. They have Gomber down there who's pitching well, but he's hurt. So many things going on. How do you think the uh, – how would you go about it if you're a fantasy owner with what the Cardinals might do to replace Adam Wainwright? I don't know. Here's I mean, they speculation. Obviously, they obviously missed, they, they missed the – biggest opportunity they had with Dallas Keuchel along with the Yankees. They're probably both kicking themselves at this point, like days after he, he was signed. Um, I don't know. I mean, Alex, Alex Reyes looks like he's on his way. Uh, they're giving him like, I think one more start in the minors before uh, letting him have a shot here. Uh, I don't really know of anyone else I'd really trust in, 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 unless we're talking about deeper formats. Um with the Cardinals. I mean, uh, Carlos Martinez obviously looks like he's just going to be sitting there in the bullpen for the rest of the season. Uh, so other, other than Alex Reyes, I'm kind of, a vo- I'm just kind of staying clear of the situation. Yeah, it's pretty rough and it's hard to see. Reyes is like you said, the clear cut guy to go for. Maybe they'll make a trade because they're running out of options here. They had a deep system. They're just not panning out at the moment. Let's go to your New York Mets. Robinson Cano, he came back for about four innings from his injury. He, uh, people thought he was lazying it out another double play ball. It turns out he hurt himself again. So <laughs> yeah, um, you can never can tell with him. <laughs> no, you never can. I was literally watching it live, going, "You got to be kidding me!" And then, yep, there he goes out of the game. But uh, he's already going to start a rehab assignment potentially on Tuesday. It looks like so they're rushing him right back into rehab, which seems like a total Mets thing to do when it comes to keeping players healthy. But what's your take on Cano? It's been a rough year, but it's so hard for people to kind of forget the what he's done in the past and just kind of give up and move on from him. Yeah, I mean. One, yeah, there's nothing, nothing quite like rushing a guy back too early from the IL for him to get re-injured just to immediately rush him back from the IL. Uh, I am buying low on Cano everywhere for 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 redraft because traditionally, I mean, maybe not as much recently, but traditionally, this guy's a huge second half hitter. I mean, he's he hasn't started off this slow, but if you look at even his All Star years, he's gotten off to some pretty brutal starts. Um, and just in general, like when the when it heats up, he he does really well. And if you look what he did when he came back from his suspension last year, he didn't really look like he missed a beat. So, I mean, this is a guy you can obviously buy incredibly low on. I've seen him dropped in 12-team formats, so you can maybe even get him for free. So, um, yeah, if someone's completely given up on him and you're weak at second base, yeah, certainly take a shot. I mean, it's not going to take much of an investment, um, you know, we're, you know, I, I would definitely uh, take a shot at him just because of, you know, other than unless he just fell off an age cliff, it didn't look like when he came back again, when he came back from the, the PED suspension, he, he didn't look very affected last year and he's a traditional second half guy. So yeah, I, he looks like a, 
easy buy low that you could probably, again, possibly even grab for darn near free. Yeah, and you look at his X stats and everything on the baseball savant and even his exit velocity and hard hit rates and everything looks really, really good. So it's just not clicking with him right now. Eventually it might come together or it's just like you said, he had an age curve and this is kind of, it finally happens, it finally happens type deal and you move on. But uh, so far, so good. And hopefully you can jump back on that one. Let's go to the Boston Red Sox. Nate Eovaldi suffers a setback. He was supposed to be rehabbing potentially back by the 15th of June. And now that's obvious. Obviously, it's not happening as he's got a setback. They're hoping for early July, if not mid-July. It just keeps getting worse and worse. And, you know, you saw it and I saw it. A lot of people are grabbing Eovaldi the last few weeks to kind of stash him. If you're an Eovaldi owner, what are you doing with him right now? Because it's got to be kind of hard to kind of hope you're getting back what you hope you're getting back, at least in my opinion. I know. I, I had Eovaldi. I had a lot of shares of him this year because I was waiting on pitching because – um, I love stacking offense and I, you know, you can always get, I always, you know, I felt that you can get a lot of really good value late, like guys like Eovaldi, like, uh, you know, you don't want to like lean on them too much, but I was grabbing, um, a lot of similar players with, with risk, but I dropped him, um, in pretty shallow leagues and I have no real interest in picking him back up because I mean, what is it now? This is, he had Tommy John surgery twice He's had to have bodies removed from his elbows each of the last two seasons. Um, and now he has a setback with his bicep. I mean, I, I would expect him to continue to have setbacks all year just because he hasn't been healthy even for a second. If if it's a deeper league and I could park him on my bench, then maybe I'll 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 do a wait and see. But if I'm in a shallower format and I need you know and I actually need actionable spots, I'm just I'm I'm not even uh, going to waste a spot because I mean that's like you know like in the twelve team range. If if we're somewhere in fifteen, I think you can park him on your team um, if you're desperate for pitching. But yeah, it's 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 tough to really be too jazzed about what to expect out of Eovaldi going forward. Yeah, it's rough. It's really, really rough. I know expectations were high, big postseason last year. It just hasn't hasn't panned out the way we all hoped it would. Let's go to the New York Yankees. Domingo Herman started out the season just outstanding. You know, before the season even started, they're like, okay, is it going to be him? Is it going to be Lasagna? Who's going to be starting? Domingo gets the job. He's pitched great. Last few starts have been a little rough, and now he's on the IL with the hip, the hip flexor strain, which apparently he's been dealing with for a little while and never told the team. There goes that idea. But he's going to be out for at least 10 days. I, I don't think it's too serious, but do you have any concerns with Domingo Herman? Uh, not really. Like you said, he was pitching through it, so it didn't seem to be bothering too much. Yeah, the MRI actually came back today, and they, they said it looked perfect. Um, so I, I'm not sure if he's going to be missing more than the 10 days. Uh, but even if he does, he's been pitching so well. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be concerned. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta wait through it with all the, with all the injuries to pitchers this year. I think this is a pretty minor thing to worry about. Yep. I'm with you there. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, we, we'll talk about both signings finally happening, right? When the draft occurred, of course, but Kimbrell gets about a three year, 42, $43 million deal with the Chicago Cubs, which to me was pretty, pretty insane. I thought if you waited this long, you just get a one year deal and test the market again. The fact the Cubs pulled this one off, A tells you the system was broken because they were willing to give him a three year deal to begin with. But uh, B, yes, he's there in Chicago now. Pedro Strope likely out of his job and many others in that carousel we've seen in Chicago. What are your thoughts on uh, Kimbrell and the rest of that bullpen? Well, it's funny when you uh, have that draft pick compensation attached to you, the second that date went by, all of a sudden you're signed. So, yeah, you said the system is most definitely broken. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't I, – I didn't want the Mets involved, you know, just – as a fan, when we were talking about Kimbrel, obviously he was asking for like a hundred million at one point. Uh, that obviously did not happen. Uh, but uh, I mean, his walks were up last season, uh, like four, almost four and a half per nine in his career is I think around 3.4. Um, his, uh, his field independent pitching was like a highest of his career. So I don't, I, I mean, he looked obviously brutal in, in the postseason. So, I don't know here. I mean, he's, he's owned in all leagues. I, I haven't seen too many where he was ever sitting on the waiver wire. There's always, I mean, in all the leagues I'm in, he's, he was literally owned and never dropped. Um, so I'm not sure about picking him up. I, if I'm the Kimbrel owner, I'm actually going to probably take advantage of the wave before he even throws a pitch and trade him. Uh, obviously saves are, are worth money because 
I am uh, kind of concerned. And I, in my opinion, just gut feeling in the end, I'm not sure he's going to be that much better than Pedro Strop would have been for them. Maybe like a tick ahead. We've seen him do it, but I, I just seeing him pitch um, when we last saw him on the mound, he just doesn't seem like, you know, the same guy. He's now 31, I believe. And yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm kind of out. Well, this will be interesting to see then. That's, that's a hot take on Craig Kimbrell. Haven't heard a ton of those kind of takes there so far this year, but I don't blame you. He's been a little rough towards him the last year. Take advantage of him while you can. I know I haven't been a dynasty league. I had multiple people sending me offers right away to try to make that happen. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, give him – I mean, you said hot take. I wouldn't give him away. I'm just – if I, I hadn't been investing in him this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going out of my way to like acquire him, but I think right now there's a decent chance that there's someone ex, you know, who needs saves in your league that might be excited. And before he comes back, um, this is the time to trade him before he even throws a pitch because you're trading him with the intention of him being good um, yeah. to the other owner, but you know, do it now before he throws a pitch, because if he goes out there, uh, gets lit up, comes back too soon, get, you know, you know I mean? Now, now's the time to try to move them, but only move them for full value. Yeah, the reason why I called it a hot take is not many people are using that angle. It's a very good angle to use. Take advantage of it. Best your team somewhere else because if you've been holding them this long, you're probably getting saved somewhere else or you're already so far out of it. I don't know if Craig Krimble's going to help you. It's just yeah. one of those type deals. So help your team out where you can. So good move on there. Dallas Keuchel signs a one-year deal with the Atlanta Braves. He's already started. He started for Gwinnett over the weekend couple more rehab start. They're hoping to have him back there by the end of June, if not early July. You know, this is a guy that I, I really don't want anything to do with him right now. He kind of scares me. What's your take on Dallas Keuchel? No, I'm with you. No way. Uh, the way the ball has been flying out of the park this year, I mean, Dallas is a, a very pitch-to-contact guy. Uh, Atlanta's defense is, like, among the worst in the entire league as well. I mean, two things that don't mix at all along with the the uh, um, hard contact this year. I mean, it's just nothing. It's just, it's adding up to a bloodbath possibly in his future. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm not, uh, there's, there's better, probably better people on the waiver wire. Um, if you're, if you really need a pitcher. Let's go to Boston. Mitch Moreland goes back on the IL. He came back for one day, but unlike Robinson Cano, it's a different injury. He uh, hurt his quad, his right quad strain. He's going to be out at least 10 days. The the Red Sox are treading water. J.D. Martinez missed the weekend. He, he was back in the lineup tonight. But it, it's really interesting to see how they're going to piece this all together. Sam Travis is going to get some work at first base and a few others. Moreland was having a really good year. Um, are you concerned with these injuries, or are you just kind of let the time ride out and then throw him right back in your lineup? I mean, when it, it sounded like when he first got injured that uh, this, this was going to be – they almost seem like this was going to be like a long-term thing uh, in the last couple and just the last day, it, it seems like not as bad and, but at minimum he's going to be out a couple of weeks. So it's obviously not something you want to see, especially with a little bit of an older guy with a, the, those kind of injuries seem to linger, but there's not really much he can do. I mean, he was doing so well, you, you know, no one's trading for him. You can't, uh, you're not, you're not cutting him obviously. So you just kind of have to bear it and uh, wait for him to come back. Uh, if, you know, if he has another setback, he can revisit this again. But for now, you just kind of have to take it and wait. Yeah, it's hard to give up on a guy that's in an offense like the Red Sox and think when he comes back, he's going to be hitting in the middle of that order. And you you, you really want to enjoy that in your fantasy yeah. lineup. So tough to give up there. Let's go to Tampa Bay. This one's kind of a uh, somber one. Rays prospect Brent Honeywell, who many have been waiting to come back from Tommy John surgery, is rehabbing Tommy John surgery. Somehow he fractured a bone in his elbow. Not sure how that happens, but it was, they say, during while he was rehabbing and pitching, fractured a bone in his elbow, had to have surgery. Uh, his uh, UCL for the Tommy John is totally fine, all the reports say. That's not an issue, so that's good. But he won't be pitching again until January of 2020. That's how long the rehab from the elbow is going to take. It's another setback for another great young prospect. Like, if you're in a dynasty league, I've had guys try to trade him to me. Um, would you be trying to acquire Brent Honeywell, or is it, you know – Two surgeries is is enough this time around. I can't imagine the person that's dangling him in front of me is going to be offering me a price I'm happy with at the moment for Honeywell. I still believe in the talent. Um, he appears to be snake bit. Some guys are just that way. None of these things are really um, related, the injuries. But, I mean, he is so talented that – and 
this isn't like, you know, some people are like, oh, he's going to be out all next year. Like, that's not the case. He He's going to be pitching again next year. So I would I would acquire him if the price was right. I mean, it's just all relative. I, I But yeah, it's not a guy where I'm looking at this after the Tommy John and then the broken, uh, you know, the broken bone and I'm thinking I'm all out. I mean, I'm still interested because, I mean, he, he before the first uh, surgery, I mean, he was ready to come up and and dominate. I mean, he's that kind of talent. So, I mean, I would, uh, wouldn't mind trying to park him on a team, especially if I'm like rebuilding or, uh, like on a fringe team, I I'd take a shot on him. Uh, because like I said, this isn't like a setback of the Tommy John surgery. Like you said, his UCL is completely fine. So, um, I, I would, I would take a shot. Yeah. Because before this injury, there's a good chance he'd make a little bit of an appearance towards the end of this year. And that would have been huge. But, you know, now the fact that it's just the UCL is fine, he could be starting to throw again in January. There's a chance he even throws a little in spring training and we might get him in April or May of next year. Mm-hmm. And that could be tremendous. Like you could, like you said, jump on that now, especially in a dynasty league. Have some fun with that and uh, and see where that goes because you never know. He, he was close to returning. Like you said, he could have made an impact this season. And this, this setback sucks, but it's not going to – looks like not going to actually affect his pitching at all. So that's a good sign. Yeah, I'll have to throw out the old I'm not a doctor on this one. Yes. But uh, he's obviously not going to be able to work out his uh, his tendons or, like, you know, his muscles working his way back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, so, But he's going to be able to get a lot of extra rest that people typically don't from that. Whether that helps him or not hurts him, I don't know. But it is an interesting thing because we obviously have never seen a guy that has been coming back from Tommy John surgery go out there and fracture his elbow. Um, so, yeah, that'll be this will be a new uh, medical phenomenon. We'll see if yeah, the extra time off helps him or not. It'll be interesting. Like I said, I have no idea how he did this. It seemed like kind of out of the blue weird. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, let's go to the Marlins wrap up the news here. Caleb Smith, he was running the fantasy world, it felt like, for, for most of the season. Last few starts have been a little rough. The strikeouts aren't quite there, but he's been on the road. We've always said Caleb Smith's a, a much better home pitcher than road pitcher. Goes on the 10-day IL with inflammation in his hip. Um, they called up Eliezer Hernandez for the Marlins. What's your concern level with Caleb Smith right now, besides the, between the injury and just the recent performance? Uh, I think the time off couldn't really come at a better time. I mean, may, hopefully this was just the thing that was just giving him a little problem, uh, and the rest will will put him will right the ship. Like you said, I, he gave up like eleven earned runs over his last thirteen innings. Gave up like six home runs, six home runs in his last three starts. So um, maybe he's just having a problem, really, you know, going through his whole windup, and he just wasn't uh, his mechanics were off, maybe because of the hip. So um, yeah, I, I, I mean. He's been so good that, uh, again, this is just kind of like I said with Mitch Moreland, you just have to sit and wait. Um, I'm not too concerned from what it looks like that he he was just dealing with uh, a little bit of a hip issue that finally caused him to to go out. So hopefully the rest will will bring him back because um, he was one of the best in the league with, uh, what does he have, a 32.3% swing and miss rate, which is you know, fantastic. He was filthy. Yeah, he was like fifth, fifth among qualified starters in strikeout rate at 31.5%. I mean, that is elite. So, um, yeah, let's hope he's fine because, you know, he was a nice bright spot on the Marlins, the only, you know, maybe the only one. So, uh, so hopefully he's okay. Yeah, hopefully he's okay and they can, they can move on from this because it was pretty impressive. And I heard a stat. I'm not going to steal it. It was from the Fireside Chat with Paul Score and Nick Pollock last week before the Caleb Smith injury. They were the only team in baseball to use only five starting pitchers this year out of all the teams, the Miami Marlins. That's pretty, pretty crazy. Never would have guessed that one. Uh, if anybody, you know, maybe do it for life or death, would have lost that bet. But um, let's go to some weekend performances here. Jay Bruce, uh, I didn't mean to rub this in. It was just part of the deal. But um, he's come over to Philadelphia, and he is rolling. Uh, over the weekend, a couple, you know, an 0 for 3 on Sunday, a 1 for 4 on Saturday. But he's hit safely. In five of six games, he has four home runs, absolutely crushing it. We know Bruce is a streaky guy, but really loving it in Philly so far. If if Bruce is available, obviously you're probably going to want to grab him, and he should be grabbed by now. But what's your kind of outlook on Jay Bruce as a guy that's watched him enough in New York? Um, are you are you ready for the ups and downs, or is this maybe a different Jay Bruce right now? No, I don't actually think it. I don't think it's a different Jay Bruce at all. As as a Mets fan, I was very upset when he was just tossed into the Robinson Cano deal as an afterthought for salary because that's what we're dealing with now as Mets fans, salary salary relief. 
the big issue he had the last two years was not an age issue or anything. He had plantar fasciitis, which was totally robbing him of his power. That was entirely it. And he finally had enough rest for that to, um, to heal. And now he's just back to being Jay Bruce. He's going to be streaky, but the power is going to be there. What you're seeing now is exactly what he is. He's hitting 235 with 18 home runs. That's Jay Bruce. And now that he's in Philly, I mean, yeah, that's tremendous. Uh, if anyone uh, in your league is thinking that this is some kind of fluke and they're trying to like sell high, I would check in. I'd buy high on him, um, depending on the return, obviously. But I, uh, I mean, I'm expecting exactly what he's doing to continue going forward. Typical Jay Bruce stuff: low batting average, incredible power, which should see a much, you know, a, a nice uptick in Philadelphia, which we've already seen home run in his first four games. Yep, he's loving it there. Let's go to Arizona. We don't have to, we, we can kind of wherever you want to go talking players on this one, but they went in Toronto and they cleaned house. They swept them, put up a ton of runs. Kevin Cron was there. They needed the DH. He's not in the lineup tonight in Philadelphia, so it pretty much tells you what that was all about. But he homered in two out of three games. Catel Marte, David Peralta's back hitting homers. You know, even tonight they let off back to back to back homers to start the game in Philadelphia. So the, the D backs bats are hot. Are we believing on, in them the rest of the year? Or is this kind of a flash in the pan and maybe the humidor takes over? I don't know. The juice ball has changed everything. But are we believing yeah. in the Diamondbacks right now? I am not particularly believing in the Diamondbacks as a whole. They obviously have some really good team uh, players on there. I love Christian Walker. I loved him preseason. So I um, I really believe in him. And obviously so do the Diamondbacks, which is the main issue Kevin Cron's going to have. I wish they could try to squeeze him into that lineup there. Um but you know, I just I just don't know where he's going to go. Hopefully, he'll they'll give they'll give him more opportunities, which will allow him a chance to to get in there. But um, no, not really. Uh, the rest of the team, I think this is just kind of just a general hot streak. I mean, even the Marlins look like the uh, twenty seven Yankees there True. for a couple of days. So True. I think this is just you know a hot streak. Um, and uh, yeah, they're they're uh, in general they're going to kind of go back to being what they were pre pre. Uh, this little um, offensive outburst. A hit in Toronto can help once in a while. That's a very hitter-friendly <laughs> ballpark there. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a team that struggled over the weekend. Whenever you see the Baltimore Orioles on your schedule, and you see that pitching staff and that bullpen, you're thinking offensive bonanza. We've seen some bad teams score a lot of runs. The, the Orioles went into Houston. Dylan Bundy pitched very well. Um, and the rest of the team didn't pitch bad. I think one game the Astros scored like four runs overall. Very low-key, and I know that we already said earlier, I'm missing Cray, I'm missing Altuve, missing Springer, but he still has a really good core there of players that are playing well right now. Are you concerned with the Houston Astros at all? Well, not really. Uh, you know, I mean, it's the thing about baseball. Anyone, even the worst, even the absolute worst team is still going to win, like, you know, 60 games. <laughs> uh, yep. So, uh you know, they, I mean, Michael Brantley's hitting 317, Reddick 312. I'm just looking down here. Springer's obviously hurt. Correa 295. Uh, Bregman's having a great year, 18 home runs, two, batting 272. I mean, they're all doing fine. Um, Altuve um, wasn't doing too well. He's still, you know, still injured, but uh, I'm, I'm expecting them to be fine. And with Jordan coming up, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get them going a little bit, but I'm not worried about any of them. Um, I don't think this isn't a thing where I think you can buy low on anyone either because the, you know, people just look at the season lines and none of them are really bad. Uh, if you just look at the lines for the whole year, uh, they're, they're kind of doing okay. Other than stolen bases. They're like, I'm not sure. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they have to be one of the worst teams yeah, in all baseball all. stealing bases. Yeah, no, they, I remember when they brought uh straw up and we thought they'd steal, steal a bunch of bags and still not stealing any bases. So, yeah, I think he might yeah. lead. I still think I think Straw may lead the team in stolen bases. <laughs> if he's not, he's like, well, but no, I'm not even joking. I, I'm gonna look. No, no, I believe you. That's why I was chuckling. Like, just shows you how bad they were. Yeah, he has three. The team lead is four with Springer. Jeez, that tells <laughs> yeah. you a lot, right there. Yeah, they're that not is good. not good. <laughs> not good at all. Uh, let's talk about Lucas Giolito. This guy. Once the top prospect, I've talked about him so many times on the podcast. I know everyone else has, but it, it's like every time he comes to the starts, it's another just, wow, this is like happening right now. Lucas Giolito's dealing again over the weekend, seven and two thirds shutdown innings with 11 Ks against the Royals. Yes, it's the Royals, but still, you got to respect him. He's got at least seven and a third and four straight starts, giving up only three runs and one starts, others three shutouts, nine or more Ks in all four starts. He's got a 2 2 ADRA and a 3 5 6 XFIP. 
most things pan out right now, is Lucas Giolito a must-start, I'm not going to say ace is the right word, but a must-start upper echelon starting pitcher from this point forward? Yes, and I will. I am going to call him an ace. Um, okay, I, no, I'm good with I, that. I, I'm not going to fight that one at all. I yeah, I love that. what I'm seeing. And not all these, yeah, these, I mean, he completely destroyed the Astros in Houston uh, also. So it's, these aren't all layups that he's been laying out. Um, I know I, I mentioned earlier in the show with like Eovaldi, I had certain guys that I was just collecting this like certain tier of pitchers. I love Mike Miner preseason. That's worked out great. I love Giolito because of the stuff he has shown at the end of the year, and I thought it would go really well into the season. Obviously, started horribly. So wherever I didn't have him, I bought low and grabbed him. So I have him everywhere. And this, I mean, there's plenty of things you know I miss on. I missed on. <laughs> uh, and but uh, this is one of the guys I was very happy to have. So grain of salt, I was already high on him coming into the season. So I'm now being like almost spoon fed what I was hoping to see. So I'm more likely to believe it, but uh, looking at uh, Brooks baseball, um, looking at every, uh, at every statistic you can, I mean, it's all legitimate. And what I always like to tell people, this was a JD Martinez is my best example. When I, I remember arguing um, wherever other people thought his comeback member, cause he was like a, people thought he was a failed prospect and then he got traded up and people were wondering when he went to Detroit, like, is this legitimate? And I said, well, uh, he was supposed to be this good. Uh, so I, it's kind of easy for me to believe, which is kind of, I feel with Lucas Giolito, you, you start your career off real bad. Sometimes it just takes a guy a while to get, uh, to get it going. So he um, was supposed to be this dominant. He really was uh, when he you know came up with Washington. So, uh, there's nothing fluky going on here. This is not like a a weird thing we're seeing. Like, oh, can this guy keep uh, you know keep this up? This is the level we were hoping to see when he was brought up, and now he's delivering. So, um, if especially eye test uh, mechanics, uh, velocity, everything looks good. Um, so there's no reason for me to believe that this won't continue. Yeah, I'm 100 percent in agreement with you. I have nothing pretty much to add to that except it just goes to show the point that. You know, sometimes prospects just take more time to develop. Uh, I, I've, I've said that a few times. He was the number one pick in a draft. Like, we see it with Damsby Swanson right now. He was the number one pick. People were writing him off. And, you know, he's not, an, like, an elite player, but he's playing really, really good. And he's, like, a top 15, if not top 10, depending on how you want to break it down categorically, shortstop in baseball right now. Some of these guys just take time. And that's why I'm really curious. And it, it might be taking more time. or And it doesn't happen for everybody. But in that same deal for Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, he shows you glimmers at times. And then he just blows up. I'm not saying he's Lucas Giolito, but he, this reminds me of Giolito the last couple of years. Is, you know, are we maybe going to see Ronaldo? I'm not saying by any means add him and pitch him every night. No. Like, he's a good DFS punt play a lot. That's about it. But it's something to keep in mind. Like, these guys take time to develop. Like you said, J.D. Martinez, for a, for a team where the Astros, we talk about how great they're at play, player development, they screwed that one up. That one was them. Like, he could be there with Springer and Correa right now doing his thing. So, lots of ways to look at it, but that's a great point. Giolito was an upper echelon talent, and we're finally seeing it develop. If it was the new pitching coaches or what it was, it all clicked. The pitch mix changed, and voila, there we go. So, I'm with you. I think he's an ace. A, a, a follower on Twitter asked me and a couple other guys, you know, gave us five pitchers of the week. I need to sit two, and – um one guy said, sit Giolito, and I was like, whoa, whoa what? <laughs> like, because like, they're facing the Yankees. But I, I think Giolito's the guy you start every day now. You just start him, and you rock and roll, because more often than not, it's going to pay off in a big, big way. Yep. I mean, it, there's right. certain guys. There's, like, for example, I'll start Giolito every single day. Jack Flaherty, he's on my bench versus the Cubs tonight. Um, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people will say that's maybe insane, but uh, I'm, uh, he's nope. kind of worrying the crap out of me. But Giolito, I mean, if he's at Yankee Stadium, I'm starting him. Yeah, Giolito or uh, Flaherty is scary right now. I, I don't blame you for that one at all. There's there's concern in my book. I'm not a beginning. I'm not a pitching guru by any means, but uh, I'm not liking everything I'm seeing there. There is some definite levels of concern, and we'll have to get that broken down on. Let uh, me get Nick Pollock or someone that has all those deep, deep dis- deals to, to to explain to us what's going on because it's not good. It's not good yeah. at all. Uh, let's go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Nick Pavetta. Everyone went into the season. You know, you mentioned. Giolito, there was the the Biebers and all these kind of that level of pitchers that people wanted to gamble on. Pavetta was one of the, the culprits, the lead man in that that brigade, and he got torched to start the season. It wasn't pretty. Home runs, walks, it was bad. Gets sent down to the minors, gets his head right, and you're still kind of walking guys, are still concerned. Comes up in his first start, three earned and five innings, two walks. But since then, 
Now, this is big. At the Dodgers, six shutout innings, no walks, nine Ks. And then he throws a complete game, nine innings, one earned, six Ks. Again, no walks against the Cincinnati Reds. Back-to-back, just phenomenal starts from Pavetta on the season. Now, a 4.93 ERA and a 3.81 XFIP. Are we buying into this Pavetta? Is this the guy we hope we get and you think is here to stay? See, this is tricky because everyone was really in on him preseason. And uh, there was a lot to like. But there, there, oh, the big red flag with him was always the home runs and the fact that he pitched in Philadelphia didn't do him any any favors. Since his hot streak here, he has not given up a home run. Um, so, but, you know, you can call that, you know, a 0% home run to fly ball ratio. He's given up zero home runs. Uh, but his actual hard contact rate, uh, that he's been giving up is higher, way higher. Like when he was getting torched, it was at sitting at like 25, 35%. Right now um, in uh, in June, it's at 40, 48%. Uh, and people are hitting the ball very hard uh, against him. They're just not uh, going in the air. His, uh, his, his, fly ball, his fly ball percentage is down to like 18%. He was, he was chucking around 30%. Uh, the beginning of the year in May, it was, it was like 60%. <laughs> so he's just, he's, he's, the, the walks aren't really the thing that concern me. It's just him giving up the, the long ball, which he's not right now. Um, so yeah, I would be interested because he's a guy where if he managed to, if he managed to fix that, like he, you know, he, he threw the ball lower in the zone, like he, they actually worked on something that he could all of a sudden, like, you know, become amazing. Uh, so I would be interested in investing in him. Um, you know, because especially if uh, anyone looks at his year-long stat line, they're going to see some ugly numbers. Uh, but yeah, he, he's did some good things against some good teams. I'm not sold on him, but there's enough there to see that if he actually has made and turned the corner, he could just he could have gone to bust to amazing like really quickly because he just had that one really big Achilles heel, and if he managed to to fix it, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. I know he was a popular pickup over the, the past week, but that's in 15 teamers. He still might be available in 12 teamers. And he, I, I like to get on him now. He don't have to start him right away, but I grab him just in case this is for real because he was so close last year. You know, you listen to all the guys that talk about all the advanced metrics and everything, and people were claiming you know he's the next Aaron Nola, and we'd see how that's working this year for Nola. But Pavetta was close, like you said. Not getting up the home runs is huge. He's not walking guys. If he can keep stringing this together. And he's going to have a few blows because pitching in that ballpark is not going to be easy all year round. But it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and I didn't mean to uh, also downplay the walks. That, that is huge, especially for a guy who gives up home runs. Because even if you are giving up home runs, if you limit the walks, you're obviously not going to have the gigantic blow-up innings. So, I mean, you know, it, he doesn't even need, need, even need to be as great as he's been to be amazing. Um, he just needs to, t- you know, temper down both of those things. I mean, and he's doing really great at both. So I'm with you. Yeah, it's a good point with, like, the home runs. You can give up solo homers. Ask Max Scherzer. Ask Garrett Cole. Ask Justin Verlander. They almost give up over a home run a game. Like, they, that's just what they do. But they don't walk anybody. So the solo homers don't kill you. And uh, you can make that work. So good point with that. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Speaking of Garrett Cole, part of the Garrett Cole trade from Houston to Pittsburgh was Colin Moran. Many thought there's no chance this is going to be like worth anything. And for the most part, it's been very, you know, hit or miss with Colin Nothing great, but he was an okay prospect. Like, there was pedigree there. This hasn't panned out. I'm not saying this is the same conversation we said about Lucas Giolito, but there might be something here. Over the last 11 games, it's safely a 9 of 11, hit 300 over that span with five home runs. He's looked very, very good. I know there's the full season package, but maybe he's starting to get it going here. Uh, he, he was a pickup in deep leagues this past week. Are you looking at a guy like Colin Rand? Does he interest you at all? Uh, not actually, not particularly. Um, I haven't, I haven't really, I've, I've, I've taken a closer look since he started, like the statistics have started looking better for him. And uh, it looks like he's maybe, he's just getting a little, he seems to be getting just a, a little bit lucky. Uh, nothing really different in his approach. He's not, uh, as far as exit velocity, you know, hard, hard, hard uh, contact percentage. Nothing is really changing. He's not hitting less ground balls. He's still hitting uh, like around 45%, which is just around where he's been. Um He's he's actually his his line drive rate has gone like down from uh, between twenty and thirty percent down to like ten percent. So he's just he's putting the ball up in the air more, but it's not. Uh, there's nothing in his launch angle that suggests he's changing anything. So I think he's just been getting a little lucky uh, with the long ball, and nothing has particularly changed. So 
Um, yeah, it is not a guy I'd go out and shop for because uh, I, I didn't really see anything uh, he's changing mechanically or by approach to suggest that uh, he's actually turned anything around. Okay, something to monitor for sure. But uh, yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. Very hot streak, but I'll be curious to see if it continues. Uh, Cesar Pueyo making his impact with the Anaheim Angels right now. He's been all over baseball in the minors. Finally getting his, his chance, I guess. He's played eight games so far, hitting four fifty two with three home runs. He went uh, you know, five for nine on Saturday and Sunday with a home run. Playing well, showing some upside. A former Mets farmhand. What's your take on Cesar Pollo right now? Oh, he was supposed to be a a very good hitter. Um I mean he, at one point he was like a top five prospect for the Mets. Um right there, uh I think was right there with like Michael Fulmer at, at one point. Um, he he got cut or released. I think he was released by the Mets due to a PED suspension. But, uh, you know, I remember the scouting report on him was he's supposed to be like a nice almost five-tool talent uh, where he'd just be a, like a really nice outfielder who could uh, – had some speed and would hit like maybe 20, 25 home runs. And I haven't really followed him since we released him. Um, honestly, I didn't think I'd see him again, and all of a sudden – you know, he attaches on here. I see him brought up and everything I see looks really solid. Just the, the same kind of prospect uh, that uh, he was supposed to be. Um, so, I mean, he's he's got a really strong arm and he's a, definitely a decent enough fielder where that's going to give uh, kind of give him an edge to staying some games. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he looks he looks good and he's someone who I would pick up if uh, if I had some space in of deeper formats, because he is a guy where I wouldn't be surprised if he just all of a sudden just became uh, became like a really solid hitter. Yeah, you look at a team like the Anaheim Angels, there's not a ton of people that are going to hold him back if he's hitting. There's nothing to really block me. Cole Calhoun, yeah, Mike Trout, there's that revolving door in the rest of the outfield. So there's definitely playing time from there. You can always, you know, DH and show you how he's not DH. And there's ways to get him in the lineup and make it work. So it's very interesting to see how Pueyo pans out there. Uh, last but not least here, Nelson Cruz, you know, stuff a little bit to start the year, was on the IL. People are getting concerned. I don't know why they were. Nelson Cruz does Nelson Cruz things. And since his return from the IL, he's had four home runs. He's hit safely in four straight games with four home runs, hitting 412. Looks like he's back to me, Matt. What's your thoughts on Nelson Cruz? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't really add too much. I mean, he's and he's going to – I'm going to believe in him until he's dead. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's the most consistent he like guy out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I, 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 either the, is the age cliff coming? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, nothing suggests it other than, other than like logic, <laughs> but there's nothing in the numbers that suggests that this guy isn't going to hit home runs. I think that this guy is going to like hit 35 home runs one year and then retire. And then we'll all be sitting there wondering like when he doesn't get into the hall of fame because of PD he's like, wow, you know, he probably could have played a little longer. He retired when he had 35 home runs. I just, this guy's going to retire exactly the player he is right now. Probably. Yeah, no, it's just crazy what he does. It's like, he just, he just pencil him in and the argument, you know, people trying to talk down about him and drafts you. Well, he's only util only. Well then fine. Play him a util and take 35 home runs. I don't see what the problem is with this. But, yeah, I know. Uh, it's like, yeah. oh, oh no, you got to get 35 home runs. I'm like, who else are you going to put there? Put him there. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even kill your average. Like, he's so darn good. It's it's pretty impressive there. Uh, let's do our weekly fab report, looking at the TGFBI fab list from Smata. Gives you all the uh, the ads for each league, tells you who got them, for the prices, so on and so forth. As usual, it's just kind of the, the, the popular ads, um, ones that kind of stand out that people might want to know about. Uh, Matt, last week on my show, we talked about Adrian Sampson because he had another big start over the weekend. Well, this week he gets picked up as low as $11 to Yancey Eaton in League 20, to as high as 135 to Greg Smith in my league in League 2. So all over the spectrum of ads, and Sampson's been pretty good of late. It is in Texas, which is always scary, but he's been usable. Are you buying into Adrian Sampson right now? Um. Not to the degree a couple of these people are, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think you got to take your shot. I mean, if, you know, it depends on how you spent your fab to this point. If uh, you're someone who had missed out on other people, I think I can kind of understand being aggressive with him. Um, but I, the, especially with the way injuries have been with pitching this year, I mean, you, you got, you got to take your shots. So I, I, all I can say is uh, I don't, I don't really feel strongly about him, but I have no issue with, with uh, picking him up at, most of these levels see they're in like around the, the 20 to 30 range, which is completely reasonable. Um, 
but uh yeah i mean if i did my gut feeling is uh he's he's probably gonna fade <laughs> but uh yeah i have i have no issue with oh the money being spent on him because you know there's just there's just not a whole lot available in uh in these format yep and we'll see him added if he wasn't at it this past week he'll be added everywhere else because i believe he's a two-star guy next week so yep we'll see that happen in there uh, animal sanchez was a two-star guy this week is two starts from returning from the il he's been very very good a lot more like the animal of last year that people were drafting. Do you believe maybe that IL stint, he figured some things out and now we're going to get that good animal or is this kind of a, a pipe dream of people either just cross their fingers that this week doesn't kill them? No, I actually, I had, um, I had actually picked him up uh, the week before uh, just cause uh, you know, you, you got to try to stay ahead either. Uh, you know, if you don't, you're all of a sudden paying $135 for Adrian Sampson. Uh, but Hannibal <laughs> <laughs> Sanchez. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, I believe in, for example, I believe in him more than I do Sampson, for example. Uh, I think that he's a veteran pitcher who very easily could just outthink his issues. And, you know, we saw how good he could have been last year. So uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be pretty happy uh, if I got him at some of the prices I'm seeing here. Um, if you waited, so he could end up being a, a really big bargain. No doubt about it. We already talked about Colin Moran, just so people won't know. And for anywhere from a dollar in League Three to eighty eight dollars in League Thirteen, uh, let's go to Delano De Shields Jr. He went for a dollar in two leagues in League Seven and League Eighteen, as high as forty four to Yancey Eaton in League Twenty. Yancey's a, been a popular guy here. But um, the field's getting everyday playing time right now with Calhoun Hurt and whatnot. He's uh, he's stealing bags, making that happen. What's your thoughts on the line of the shields right now? I don't see the I don't see the playing time really lasting just because I think he's had in more than enough. I think he's had more than enough opportunity to prove himself, and I don't think I just don't think he's uh, I don't think he's going to stick as a major leaguer really. Uh, and once I think once uh, all the Rangers are healthy, he's going to kind of go back to a reserve role. So uh, for at least for for this season, like, you know, just redraft, I wouldn't be too excited. Uh, but, you know, because of the tools he possesses in case uh, in case he does stick, because there's no guarantee um, that anyone, you know, he doesn't uh, keep the job that I can see spending the amounts that we see. Uh, because it's all team in this format, it's all team needs. If you really need some speed, then, you know, you just kind of go for broke and you gotta, you gotta grab your guy. But um, yeah, I personally, I, I wouldn't be too excited about him. All right. Framber Valdez, $6 in league nine to Corey Steiner and sleep six to Troy Clowder up to 88 for Heath caps in the champions league, league one. So all over the board, but Framber, we know he had his starts last year. He was very up and down. He threw seven innings, one earned seven Ks against Baltimore this weekend. And he was pretty good overall on the season, two seven three ERA. Lots to like there. Are you buying into Framber Valdez for the time being or just kind of a, a spot start time uh, week-to-week thing? Um, I'm buying in a little bit. Um I, I have him probably of the three guy the three pitchers we talked about. I have Annabelle first and then and then Framber and then um and then Samson. Um yeah, nothing I'd be too too excited about. It's just it's just the landscape of uh, there's so many pitchers that are injured you, that you got to take a shot on these guys. But I don't really have anything specifically I'm excited about. I mean, I don't. Sorry, folks, I don't have any dynamite breakdown on Framber Valdez. What you see is what you get with him. He's pitching a little above his head, uh, but uh, I think he could still be plenty valuable enough to to start with the amount of uh, if you take a look at what like you know some teams are starting. He's a perfectly usable option. So. I love these numbers, though. I, you know, I never took a, a look at like what every single other team was yep. spending. It's fascinating looking at. That's why. That's why I do this every Monday. I, I, I give every guest this list. I said, let's just go through and talk because it's just it's such a wide array. Of, like, man, the week we had Fab again with all the prospects, the the differences in bidding. Some guys went for like thirty dollars, and the same guy in a different league went for like four hundred and fifty bucks. It's crazy. It's uh. It's funny because obviously Dallas Keuchel was owned in every single league except for one where he appears to have gone for $262. So I guess that's the one league he was not owned in. Yeah, that that would be the guess that he just – there you go, folks. There's, there's Dallas. League 8 to Cliff Gannick. And then it shows you the difference. So the runner-up bid was 76 bucks cheaper. So it shows you how yeah. much you, you did the difference there. Let's go to Freddie Peralta. Just have, this can be a quickie. We've done this song and dance with Freddie last year. We've done it this year. He went from anywhere from $1 to $49. He pitched really well his last time out. This dude is one of the most inconsistent, talented pitchers I've seen. 
are you a guy that's willing to roll that dice with Freddie Peralta time in and time out? Because he can destroy a fantasy team, or he can make it like huge in one week. It depends if you hit it just right. Uh, I don't really, I can't see myself going there because the thing with Freddie Peralta is, like you said, he has the ta- all the talent in the world to no hit anyone, but he, you can't really trust to stream him because he has the ability to get lit up by anyone. You can't, you can't just like not start him against the Dodgers and then start him against the Royals because the Royals have a decent chance of destroying this guy. So that's, that's kind of why I I can't really get behind Peralta because you just, you just can't really trust him on a daily basis, no matter who he's facing. Yeah. When you throw as many fastballs as as Peralta does, it's not a good recipe for success. It just really isn't. So I'm interested to see how it works. Like I said, he can be really great at times and just really, really disastrous. Uh, just a couple more. It wasn't a huge fab week. I just want to get your you know thoughts on it. it. Could be Cliff Notes versions, whatever works for you. But Garrett Cooper, he was picked up a lot last week. Went a few more leagues this week. Was always sixteen dollars to Tom Pringle in League Four to as high as one hundred and twelve to Brian Ambos in League Fifteen. And if Brian's curious, the runner-up bid was eleven dollars. So good, uh, good on you. But um, <laughs> maybe Garrett he meant Cooper, well, maybe he meant twelve dollars. <laughs> yeah, accidentally left that one that was already in there. Hey, I almost did that the other day. I I, I understand that one completely. But Garrett Cooper's been pretty good on the season, hitting 281 with five homers. have been really, really hot of late. To you, and you never know with the Marlins, like you said, they've been world beaters of late. But in your opinion, is this just a, the Marlins are hot right now, or is Garrett Cooper actually maybe legit? Like in five five outfielder leagues, does he have a spot on a roster? Um, I don't know if he definitely – I mean, I, I would say this, that he, he – I wouldn't say he has a spot on a roster in a five outfielder league in terms of he should definitely be in your outfield, but there is always one team in a league that could use him. So I guess I, in that terms, I'll say, yes, there is, there's always, there's, there should be a team in a league that could use him. So I, uh, I really like uh, the buy here because he's, he's definitely probably guaranteed playing time on that team, the way he's hitting. Uh, so you can, you know, someone you can pencil in every day. So the kind of power he's capable of with everyday at bats, uh, that kind of stuff's just not available on the waiver wire. So I could see him, you know, playing decent for the rest of the year. So I think it's a pretty good buy. Yep, no problem with that at all. I, I like him quite a bit. Um, we don't have to talk about these guys unless the name stands out to you. But like Ian Kennedy got grabbed at about seven leagues. Uh, Jacoby Jones picked up. He double double donged on Sunday. He got picked up in a handful of leagues. Uh, Mitch Keller, who we've seen pitch for Pittsburgh, he got picked up in about seven leagues. Roberto Perez, catcher for the Indians, got grabbed in about eight leagues. Anything ring a bell with those guys or just kind of slow week filling up your roster type stuff? Now, Mitch Keller is interesting. He's obviously supposed to be a stud. He was just getting just annihilated in the minor leagues. Uh, So, I mean, I would say he's probably not ready um, a long term. So, I mean, but, you know, he – in a certain situation, you know, when a guy like that is going to be pitching, you have to take your shot. Uh, so, you know, nothing really. I don't have an issue with any of this stuff. I think yeah. it's, I, I do love the, uh, at the bottom of the list, Zach Plesak. I guess a couple of the leagues that a couple of the people weren't totally sold on him. This is what happens. Uh, this is what happens. You always say 56, 72, 150. You got to be, a, you got to be aggressive here. You got to be aggressive, guys. Get, you know, if you see a guy you like, especially if you're willing to pay some of these prices I'm seeing for fringe guys. If you're willing to pay up, you know, try to try to look ahead and grab these guys for cheap. Yep, no doubt about it. And that's what I, I kind of like. Otherwise, like you said, you get in this bidding war where it gets really, really ugly. <laughs> really, really ugly. And then if it doesn't pan out, you feel even worse. If you just get the small bid and it doesn't pan out, so be it. That's that's the name of the game. And, and, and the other reason I like doing this exercise is there is no exact science to fab. Like there were leagues that I've lost bids on players that I would have won in like 90% of the other leagues. It's just, there's no rhyme or reason, but it's fun to chat about and uh, kind of get a feeling on it all and uh, see where it goes from there. Yeah. You definitely can't argue it because yeah, it's league by league. You don't know their situation. You don't know their team situation, the league situation. You don't know what's like you said, uh, you know, uh, Dallas Keuchel would have gone for a lot, but he was owned everywhere. He wasn't owned in this one particular league for some reason. He ends up going for like so much. Alex Reyes went for $101, obviously the only league he wasn't owned in. So it just depends on your league. Yep, exactly. It's pretty crazy stuff, but uh, Matt, that'll wrap us up for this week. This episode, it was uh, great getting to know you and chat with you on this. Uh, before we leave, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and what you got coming up? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Uh, right now, I am uh, just doing the Turn 2 podcast with Sam Lane uh, for baseball. Otherwise, I'm wrapped up in uh, 
FF statistics, getting ready for fantasy football. Um, so, I mean, check out the site. If you're into fantasy football, check out ffstatistics.com. Uh, we have some pretty uh, crazy stuff going on. We also, uh, our amazing graphics team put together this video of like the Thanos snap from Avengers, like getting rid of our old logo and introducing our new one, like through a <laughs> nice. portal. It's like really, it's, it's badass. You guys should check it out. I'll have to check that out. And that one, I'm, I'm, I'm a baseball guy through and through, but I do fantasy football. I, I bench with Bubba will become fantasy football here pretty soon. It'll still stay baseball two times a week, but going to start putting football in so i might have to have you back on before the season starts and chat it up a little bit on that but uh matt thanks for joining me man a lot of fun tonight yeah thanks for having me on no problem everybody this is bench with bubba episode 178 with matt williams talking some fantasy baseball week 11 fab and much much more catch you guys later